A purple and gold good day to you, and welcome into the JMU Sports Update Podcast. It's presented by United Bank with absolutely free checking. I'm Kurt Dudley, Director of Broadcast Services and the all-sports voice for the Dukes. This week, our content is filled with contributions from our student team for JMU Broadcast Services for the athletics program. And we're going to start with basketball as the regular season wraps up this weekend. The JMU men have already locked up the number one seed for the upcoming tournament. The women looking for their best seed of the tournament. They can possibly get out of this weekend. They've got two very tough ball games at Drexel at the Dask Alaska Center. So Tucker Stunts and Noah Ziegler, as they have all uh, semester long, will be here to talk about basketball. Now, the JMU baseball season got underway last weekend. It wasn't expected to start until next weekend at home against Bowling Green. That schedule is still intact for next weekend as of now. But the Dukes went to North Carolina this past weekend. Kind of unexpectedly, it was set up late last week. And I found out uh, today that, in fact, the reason that the Dukes got a chance to go to Carolina, Carolina was going to host Kentucky, but the Wildcats came down with COVID. They had to go into quarantine, opened up the weekend, Coaches got together. Dukes went down and played three. Now, they lost all three to the Tar Heels, but uh, they do have the season underway. I spoke with Marlon Eikenberry today. He was just very pleased to get a chance to get the guys out there with a chance to play. Well, the softball season opens up this weekend, so both Diamond Sports will be officially underway after this weekend, and we're going to get joined by Shelby Walker and Gabby Leggett, a little inside look at both of those teams. The JMU soccer season started on Sunday for both squads. Both took on Liberty. Both ended up in double overtime ties. The women, a 1-1 draw, and the men, a 0-0 draw. Well, Charles Vera was on hand to watch both of those matches, and he provides some of his insights as to what he saw with both JMU men's and women's soccer programs. I think you'll find that interesting. A quick look at the uh, Volleyball Dukes this weekend at UNC Wilmington. The Dukes 1-1. One one. This weekend they open up CA play. They played Delaware also of the Colonial, but this year they have them divided into divisions. So the Dukes are in the south, the Blue Hens in the north. They did split uh, their home-and-home home series, but they were not counted as far as the league standings are concerned. So London Solomon will give us a quick preview of this weekend's activities. Okay, now we're set. So let's first of all uh, jump into things. i tell you what, what we're going to do, we're going to hear from United Bank first, and then we'll join Noah Ziegler and Tucker Stunts for a little basketball talk here on the JMU Sports Update Podcast. At United Bank, we wonder, why pay for things that you could get for free? Take our absolutely free checking. There's no minimum balance, no monthly fees, unlimited check writing, no per check fee, a free United Visa check card, free online banking and bill pay, plus free e-statements. And these are just some of the features. Yeah, we think it's pretty good too. So why would you pay when you could get absolutely free checking from United Bank at your service? $50 minimum deposit to open. Member FDIC. United Bank says, go Dukes! Welcome to the JMU Sports Update Podcast. I'm Noah Ziegler alongside Tucker Stunts, and today we're going to talk about JMU men's and women's basketball. But first, we're going to start with the women's. Uh, to kind of recap this last weekend, a big weekend series, a back-to-back again against Delaware, who uh, top of the CAA it was obviously a big one coming in. Kind of Delaware first place against the, the traditional power in the Colonial Athletic Association in JMU. Uh, Delaware took the first game, a 94-88 decision in overtime. But Jamie responded with a 65-62 win on Sunday. Tucker, obviously two very intense games and I think two very telling games in terms of what the CAA women's basketball tournament is going to be like 
in a couple of weeks time, but some, what are some quick observations from the series against the blue hens? And what do you think this means for Jamie women's basketball heading forward? Yeah. I mean, I just want to start off by saying I, it was a great battle from both sides uh, overall this weekend. It was a great showdown two nights in a row. Dukes battled back on Saturday. They were down 10 points in the fourth. They eventually took the lead. And then obviously the Dukes just cut, or I mean, the blue hens just came out, took it out in OT. Sometimes your legs get tired. Doesn't get it done. Dukes right now, 12 and eight overall eight and five in the CAA, which is good for third. And like you said earlier, Delaware first in the CAA, 17 and three overall 14 and two in conference. Yeah. But just going back to that, I think it, there were two really good games. Saturday's loss was, I think the only loss that co- head coach Sean O'Regan has to Delaware on his, uh, on his record sheet. But I think my, one of the biggest observation when I was just doing some research is, you know, where, where, where did this Delaware team come from? Looking back, Delaware last year, they were, I think, 12 and 17 overall, 8 and 10 in the CAA. I know they did not. I think they lost in the first round, too. But this team, I mean, really showed up, and they've showed up every single game. But obviously, the Dukes came back on Sunday. Don't want to ever lose on senior night. I've done it myself. It's not a satisfying feeling. So you have a tough OT loss on Saturday. You split the series on Sunday on senior night, too, which is always great. What were some big things you saw from the Dukes? Yeah, well, first of all, before I even get to the Dukes, Jasmine Dickey, what a basketball player, obviously scoring 30 points against JMU, going 8 of 9 from the free throw line. That's huge in that in the Blue Hens win, but scoring 19 points in the second game. But another another person that stuck out, uh, Rain Tucker, what a weekend from her end. Uh, Rain, obviously, she had 26 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double to start the weekend. And then in the second game, she had 22 points, 7 rebounds an assist, a steal, and she just played very efficiently. And you look at that and you look at that kind of player and, you know, we're getting into kind of the meat of the season. We're getting into the tail end of it. And to have her kind of break out and have this good of a weekend against a very good team like Delaware is very optimistic. It's very optimistic for head coach Sean O'Regan, especially as we get to March, such an important month when you need players like Rain Tucker to kind of come up and have these consistent performances. But it, it, I think this does – this bodes well for JMU. This shows that they can hang with every team in the CAA, which I think everyone knew mm-hmm. that. But obviously when you – when it's kind of gets to this point in the season, you got to show it. And the fact they did it for two games, the fact – you know, a lot of the times we've seen this year, especially with these back-to-back games, is one game is close or – and then the next game is a blowout or both games are not, not very close. The fact that these were two very close games and, you know, obviously one went to overtime. That just shows that this is a team that's going to compete no matter what. And the fact that they were able to put this together again against a first-place team like Delaware, that just shows, again, that they're going to be able to be right in the thick of the competition, but they got to be able to figure out, okay, how do we translate or transform those overtime losses into wins? And obviously, the you know, the Delaware game is only one game so far that went to overtime and lost. But, you know, they hopefully they fix that and – We'll see what happens when they get into tournament time, but a good weekend for them. And obviously a, another big weekend heading as, or coming up, excuse me, as they face Drexel. Um, Tucker, any closing remarks on the Delaware series? Yeah. I mean, going back to rain Tucker, obviously just an outstanding weekend. She had, she just was named CAA player of the week on Monday. She averaged 18.7 points throughout these two weekend games. She sought about 62% from the field, 26 for 42. Great results. 
especially to be getting. She's been playing well, playing consistently. A lot of the, the, you know, the low block players for the Dukes have really been stepping up. And Kiki Jefferson, obviously, sophomore, followed right behind her. She had a double-double, 20 points, nine rebounds to go along with some assists and steals on Saturday. And I believe Maddie Green had 11, too. So everyone was kind of getting their shooting, you know, their shooting form in. And Sunday was just a great defensive just defensive matchup for the Dukes. I mean, they held Delaware to shoot 27% on the day. So obviously, you know, it sucks that you split a series, but that happens, especially when you're playing the top dog in the CIA. And now you just got a couple more games against Drexel, finish out the regular season and get looking into that postseason. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that you bring up that shooting percentage in the second game. That, that is an incredible mark to hold them down to. Uh, and that, again, to add on to the list of positive notes to look at. And like you said, obviously disappointing to split a series, but when you take some positives, that's a very good positive. And I think that's something that head coach Sean Regan is going to take beyond this weekend, kind of into the, again, this last upcoming two games against Drexel, which we transition to now Drexel uh, will host the Dukes in Philadelphia. It'll be a back-to-back game again. Drexel coming in with a record of 10 and 7, 7 and 5 in the CAA. They are led by Hannah Neehills, 15.8 points per game, and Kishana Washington's 12.7 points per game. They they kind of pose a threat, I think, to JMU in terms of these, it's just a team that they know is going to be difficult to overcome, but it's a good test as they head into the CAA tournament. You know, Dr. What are some quick thoughts about this upcoming series against Drexel? And what is it what does JMU have to do in order to get two wins and head out of Philadelphia? Yeah, you know, you want to finish off the season on the right note. You want to go into the playoffs with some momentum. Uh, the last time the Dukes played Drexel, it was actually February 28th of 2020. Bit of a blowout. The Dukes won by 30, 69 to 39. Obviously, that's a year in the past. Nothing to take into account. I think really the key for the JMU Dukes is, you know, like you said, they're going to have to look out for Hannah Nihill. She's right behind Kiki Jefferson in CAA scoring, averaging almost 16 a game. Uh, and then another, I think, big Drexel player to watch out for is Mara Hendrickson. She's a junior. I think her and Nihil work really well together. They, they love to pass the ball. They work it around the perimeter, like extremely well. And I think Hendrickson currently is fourth in CAA assists right now, averaging about 4.3 a game and Nihil right there too. She's right behind her, I think in fifth for those assists. So these girls, they love to pass the ball. They love to move it around. They love to really not really not hold on to the ball for long periods of time. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for JMU to adjust for when you have a team that, you know, you have people that like Jemiah Hazel who love to dribble and you love people that when, you know, want to, once they get into their rhythm, they eventually want to make a move and take their shot. But I think the, uh, the Dukes are going to have to sit back for a sec, just, you know, see what this team comes out, like see how they're moving the ball and then adjust, play the game they've been playing and keep going. These are some big games. The CAA standings could get a little shaken up after these games, uh, Drexel, obviously, like you said, fourth, JMU third. So just because these are the last two on the regular season schedule doesn't mean that they're any less important than any other game. Mm-hmm. I was just going to bring that up, how big of a game this is for the standings. Obviously, Drexel is going to want to get that third place spot and two wins against the Dukes will do it. But JMU, this, like you mentioned, this, it's going to be such a good test for them to have to play different. They're going to have to get out of their comfort zone and they're going to have to sit back and almost absorb some of the pressure that Drexel is going to give. And it's obviously this team wants to go, 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 and they want to play at a fast pace, a high tempo. But when you play against a team like Drexel, sometimes it's good to take, you know, step back, 
let them kind of keep just keep Drexel in front of you instead of trying to get at the ball, trying to get that edge, trying to poke it away and kind of keep the game moving. Um, sometimes it's all right to slow down. But like you said, Drexel has a couple of players to that are going to make an impact in this series. But like you said, this is going to be a game where Jay, it's going to determine the latter part of the CA standings. There's going to be some shakeup if, depending on how it goes. But this also just in terms of momentum, and you brought up some of the players that are big for both teams. If they can catch some momentum heading into such a crucial part of the year, and I've talked about that already, that's that's key. And obviously I think this is kind of the last little bit of, I, I want to say practice, even though it's a game, but they're going to be able to have this the chance to fine-tune everything before it comes tournament time. But this will, again, this will be a test for both teams, really, and It'll be interesting to see if Rain Tucker can continue the momentum that she has, if Kiki, if Kiki Jefferson can end the season on the high note. And it'll be interesting to see if Claire Neff can kind of regain some of that uh, magic she found in her JMU debut. If she can get going, if she can provide that scoring from the bench, then that'll be huge for JMU in this series and beyond. Yeah, I completely agree. Having those people that can consistently shoot around the perimeter are, are going to you know, dictate how far you sometimes get you have to put points on the board. We've seen the Dukes, you know, sometimes the points are kind of all over the place. They score a lot one night, then go cold, but you know, we're not worried about that right now. We're just hoping that they're going to get some good wins this weekend. Both games are set for 1 PM tip off. And then that'll wrap up the regular season. And the CAA tourney hosted the women's CAA tourney hosted by Elon university starts Wednesday, March 10th. Elon's got a beautiful arena, but this is, this is when JMU women's basketball shows what it's made of. And I think head coach Shauna Regan is aching to get that CAA title. And I think they're just really wanting to get back to the tournament. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see kind of how much this women's team really ramps it up um, as they do every year. And it's going to be, hopefully they end up making it all the way and then getting back to the dance. And switching over to the men's basketball team, not playing a doubleheader this weekend, the men's, Basketball team only has one game left in the regular season. It's Friday, 4 p.m. at the Atlantic Union Bank Center against the Dragons of Drexel. We've already the Dukes have already seen them once this year. Currently, JMU 13 and five overall, eight and one in the CAA. Like we said last week, still on top. The Dukes had a bit of a break in this last weekend. Number one in the CAA is currently hope hope to be after this Friday game too. Drexel eight and seven overall. Three and five in the CAA, having a bit of a tough time with the conference. That's good for seventh in the CAA. Noah, if what what have the Dukes got to do this weekend, in your opinion? What what do you want to see mentally, physically from them to play one more game and then kind of get that mindset for the CAA attorney? Well, luckily for them, I think the, the first thing you note is they, they haven't played in a little bit. It's been a, an extended period since they last played against Hofstra. But Drexel's had an even longer period. They haven't played since February 7th, which was against uh, Hofstra as well. But the men's team, they just, have to, they just have to do what they've been doing all season long, and that's just remaining, like you said, mentally, mentally sharp. Matt Lewis has to maintain what he's been able to do, and that's score almost 20 points a night. Vado Morris has to do what he has to do, and that's provide that supplemental scoring. He gets in the double digits, but he sometimes has those nights where he's on fire. If he can do that, if he can add a couple more of those games for the rest of the year, that'll bode well for the Dukes. Julian Wooden, Justin Amati, Jalen Hodge, Michael Christmas, Terrell Strickland, Terrence Edwards, Zach Jacobs. Long list, but each of those players are capable of adding 
anywhere between six and 15 points. They, they all have the ability to just do the little things for JMU. And I think for them, it's just main, doing their roles. I think each player doing the little things, maintaining their roles, doing what they need to do to win. Obviously, you know, obviously scoring is the big thing. You got to score more points than the other team, but they have to focus on these things that lead to scoring, the defense that turns into the points. I think if they can really, you know, hunker down on defense, if they can maintain that high tempo while also making sure the defense is there. I think another thing that they need to focus on is those times in the games where maybe they're a little bit tired or the other team goes on a little bit of a run. They have to have the mental fortitude to get through that or to put a stop to that. Because, for example, against Elon earlier in the year, Elon had a quick uh, 14-0 run or it was, it was a big run and Jamie didn't have a response for a little bit. But they were able to still keep him at arm's length and eventually win by a decent amount. Now, in tournament time, that could very quickly turn into a team coming back from a big deficit, and it roars back because momentum in March is a little bit different than momentum in the regular season. So I think for them to, as they kind of get to this last game of the season with Drexel, this will be a good test for them to make sure that they are sharp. They stay sharp, even though they've had a little bit of an extended break. And I think in order for them to beat Drexel, they have to keep just keep rotating the ball, just keep rotating it around the perimeter and look for the opportunities to put it inside. And once they get it inside, they have to draw the defense from various angles and try to find the kickouts. Once they get to the kickouts, keep rotating the ball, screen, force the defense to either switch or hedge. And then based on that, you know, Coach Byington's going to do what he wants to do. And I think that's get Matt Lewis the opportunity to create separation, get Matt Lewis the opportunity to get to the basket, which he does very well both of those things. And the more he gets to the basket, the more room players like Votto Morris has to shoot threes, more room for players like Terrell Strickland to have more kind of leeway to do his thing, to feel more comfortable. And, you know, the more attention that one player draws, the you know, the more opportunities that someone like Justin Motti is going to get to go airborne and slam it home. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do to maintain that against the Dragons. What do you think uh, Jamie needs to do this weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, I like what you said about staying sharp. Staying sharp has been the, the theme of the 2021 season, just with postpones, cancellations, you know, guys being out, when are we going to play? So, I mean, you, you, hit it on the, you, you hit it on the head right there. I mean, it's all about staying sharp. You get this little gap. Now you can kind of check yourself, get your legs nice and fresh, and then uh, obviously get out there and just hope, you know, uh, the shots are falling like they usually do. Uh, the last matchup, obviously, uh, the Dukes took it. It was 73 to 64. That was on January 31st of 2021. Uh, that matchup, Matt Lewis and Votto Morris both put up 15. Lewis grabbed, I think, a season-high five steals that game. And uh, obviously, you know, we talked about him a bunch doing this. We know what he does. He's still first in the CAA scoring, averaging almost 20 points per game. But I think the biggest thing for the Dukes is for this Friday game is not to just let Drexel come in and, you know, kind of push you around, you know, they don't really have anything to lose. We know the Dukes are pretty much are going to make the tournament, but, you know, just because, you know, it's a little different where there's not as much on the line, like in the women's series, you know, guys still want to help their stat books. They still want to get their numbers up. So, you know, Drexel's going to come in and, you know, want to make a difference and want to shut the JMU Dukes down. You know, that'd be a great way for someone for their season to be capped off. So I think, the biggest thing for the Dukes is going to be stopping these big guys. I think Drexel, they are massive from what I've seen, their height. Um, they're going to have to be big down low. The guys are going to, like you said, are going to have to step up everywhere. It's not just going to be from Matt Lewis shooting. It's going to 
start with him and go down with everyone else. Uh, a guy like James Butler stands at six, eight currently ranks third in the CAA rebounding averages, almost 10 rebounds a game. And I think he also has the best shooting percentage in the CAA, a little bit above 57%, but this Drexel team is big. I mean, yeah, James Butler is six, eight. I'm probably going to butcher this name, but Tadas Kararinas is six, 10, 210 pounds. TJ Bickerstaff is 6'9", 207 pounds. And Amari Williams, 6'10", 227 pounds. So obviously we can see there's a lot of height you got to deal with when you're playing the Dragons. The Dukes, we know, don't have necessarily that much height. But, you know, if the guys can just do what they've been doing all season, play 40 minutes, knock some shots down, play great defense on these guys, you know, force them to, you know, get offensive fouls, take the charge, and really just, like you said, I know, I know we don't like to talk about momentum going into March, but this is, this is a game where you get your head right. I think a lot of these guys are going to take this as say, hey, let me, you know, let me build my confidence up, shoot the ball, get it going, put up some points, and then boom, you got another week off. And then once again, postseason basketball. Mm-hmm. You bring up James Butler and you bring up the height factor. Obviously, Drexel does have that, and that's always going to be a worry for Coach Byington and the team. But a positive note to take from that, in the first matchup, James Butler had six points and six rebounds. So the Dukes were able to kind of keep him at bay. But someone that, for Drexel, that's going to be huge. And to see him versus the combo of Matt Lewis and Otto Morris's Cameron Winner, obviously he scores 17 and a half points per game. He, he's a hooper. He can light it up. He scored 29 in the first meeting. And if, if he can catch a little bit of fire, the Dragons are definitely in a good position. But his combination with the bigs is going to be something that JMU has to game plan for. And they did a good job in the first time. But obviously, Drexel is a team that I feel like is always going to hang around with whoever, whichever team they're playing against. And JMU needs to put together another 40-minute performance in order to beat them and in order to seal up sole possession of first place in the Colonial. Yeah, you know, we'd love to see that record get pushed to 9-1. and one. Uh, Like we said earlier, I mean, yeah, I, I think Drexel is going to come in here and say, you know, this is the first time we – probably all season they haven't played a double header so it's interesting to kind of see someone a few weeks back and now see them here even though that's normal but not this year that's not the normal and um you know this could be a lot of last games for some people over there too so you never know what's going to happen guys are going to bring intensity especially in the atlantic union bank center a great venue to play in and um yeah you know it's it's hard to tell because you know this game is just the last one and uh you know everyone's kind of starting to talk about CAA attorney, CAA attorney. That's all we want to talk about. But hey, this is another shot for the Dukes to prove, get that overall record up. We know that their overall record is already going to be improved from last year. And, uh, you know, hopefully you get this win, roll right into March. And, uh, you know, hopefully something special happens this year with the JMU men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. No matter no matter what happens this year, I think a lot of people, if not every fan, is going to look at this and say this was a successful year. And the program is very clearly headed in the right direction. Thank you for listening to another hoop section of the JMU Sports Update podcast with myself, Tucker Stunts, and Noah Ziegler. And uh, we will see you guys next week, hopefully talking about some CAA tournament basketball. Welcome back to another JMU Sports podcast. I'm Shelby Walker. And I'm Gabby Leggett. Now, JMU softball has not played a game since March 8, 2020 against the University of California, Berkeley during the JMU Invitational. Last season, the Dukes went 13-6 overall with no conference play. The NCAA is allowing players from last season to play this season using their COVID year for eligibility. 
This season will be an 18-game divisional conference schedule with double round-robin series. The Dukes had seven first-place votes and are favored to win the South Division, while Delaware had four first-place votes and are favored in the North Division. Two of the JMU softball Dukes have been named to the USA Collegiate Player of the Year watch list and America's preseason top 100 list. Those players are Odyssey Alexander and Kate Gordon. Those are two of the 14 returners for the softball Dukes this season. Starting with Kate Gordon, she is using her COVID year and is from the Shenandoah Valley. She led the nation in batting average last season with 557. She currently holds the program's record for career batting average at 421, slugging percentage at 842, and 50 home runs. Odyssey Alexander, also using her COVID year, is ranked fourth in the all-time strikeouts for JMU and strikeouts per seven innings. She is a two-time CAA Player of the Year. She recorded 37 home runs, 152 RBIs, and 115 runs scored last season. She has a lifetime batting average of 340. Redshirt senior Madison Niokas was named to the Virginia SID All-State second team last season and recorded a 316 batting average with two doubles, two triples, and four home runs last season. Alongside Niokas on the Virginia SID All-State second team is Sarah Jubis. She finished last season with a batting average of 439. She was the CAA Player of the Week twice last season and reached the milestone of 100 career RBIs. Also on the Virginia SID All-State second team last season was Logan Newton, whose sister Taylor also played for JMU and graduated in 2017. Logan recorded a season high of three putouts against the University of Virginia on March 3rd last year and drew in 21 walks in 19 games with the season high of three against Virginia. Speaking of Virginia, that's how this season starts off for the Dukes at the UVA tournament. JMU will be playing against the UVA Cavaliers. They have won the past four games against them. Their second game in the tournament is against George Washington, and the two teams have not played one another since 2012. After the UVA tournament, JMU will go to the Liberty tournament and follow with the JMU tournament, where JMU will host Stony Brook and the University of Rhode Island on March 12th through the 14th. The Dukes have the privilege of hosting the softball CAA tournament, JMU has the privilege of not hosting just one, not two, not three, but four CAA tournaments this season, including men's basketball, track and field, and women's lacrosse. For JMU Sports, I'm Gabby Leggett. And I'm Shelby Walker. Hello, I'm Charles Vera, and welcome to hearing my thoughts about Sunday's game between the JMU Dukes versus the Liberty Flames. And my thoughts for that game was I was impressed. Um, you can tell the philosophy of the JMU women's team was touch the ball and move. They had like a tiki-taka playing style. They, they would not want to give the possession to, the t uh, to Liberty at all. They would move the ball, touch it, move. And honestly, a player that fit that system very nicely was Lexi Vanderlinden, um, JMU's new number 10. She's a freshman, and, but it looks like she's been playing college soccer for quite a while. She fit into the system nicely, and she was the ringleader on the field. Um, her one-touch passes were on point. She knew where to go once re releasing the ball, and she knew how to get out of pressure also. And she just created a lot of chances also during the game, and you can tell that she knows how to play that role as a midfielder. And you can tell why she was a starter and the number 10 of JMU. Another player that impressed me also was Mia Pham. I believe she played right back during that game. And she controlled that right side very nicely. She defended nicely, and she also had a lot of attacking opportunities, and she took it nicely. Um, and because of her is the reason why JMU scored their 
first and only goal. She went by one defender, I believe, and she put in a grounded pass, a grounded cross, and it was met by a Liberty defender who put it into her own net. But if it wasn't for Mia Pham's attacking play in the right side, it would have not happened. So Mia Pham also impressed me. She had a lot of skill moves also. I believe she did the roulette in one of the, during the game. And it was very impressive. Everybody was surprised by that. But overall, you can see that Lydia Nduka also created a lot of problems for the Liberty defenders when she came in as a sub. Um, she was very fast and she you can tell she has a lot of strength. She managed to hold the ball waiting for support from her teammates. And also Suwebatu Mohammed, when she came in, she was very fast. You can tell that she had a lot of speed and it caused a lot of problems to the tired defenders of Liberty. Um, another player that I want to mention is, I believe her name was Ariana Frescus. Frescus. She is a defender and she's also a freshman, but she controlled the defense very nicely. She played all 110 minutes and she wasn't scared to put her foot um, and she wasn't scared to sacrifice her body to block the ball and to get the ball back. Um, I was very impressed by her. Abel Fernandez is also another freshman that played as a defender. And she was also not scared to get the ball at any means. So in overall, it was a good recruitment from JMU, um, bringing in these new players. And they fit in the system nicely. They aren't scared to play. So I was very impressed with the women's team. Now for the men's team, it ended as a nil-nil draw. But the JMU men's team could have won easily by one or two goals. Um, they had one goal that was considered offsides. And... It was correctly called, but it was a very nice play in the corner kick. And they had a lot of um, opportunities to score. And you can tell that they have the same philosophy as the women's team. Um, touch and pass, touch and pass. That was what they all had in mind. And they honestly, they worked on that very nicely because Liberty did have a bit of a challenge to get the ball out of their feet. And the players that impressed me, of course, were TJ Bush and Tom Judge. Um, both these players were recently drafted into the MLS, and you can tell why, because their quality was was immense. Um, you can tell they were very different from the rest of the players, their touches, um, the confidence that they had on the ball, and everything. You can tell Tom Judge really controlled that left side because he was playing left back that game. And he defended nicely, and he also attacked a lot. Um, and he wasn't scared to do either one he defended and got the ball many times. And when he was attacking, he managed to run through one or two defenders. And he just isn't scared of getting the ball. His touch and control was very nice. And TJ Bush, also you can tell, outstanding goalkeeper, not scared to um, put his hands on the ball. And he was very, he, was, he communicated a lot on the field. And I believe he had six games that game, six saves that game. And one of them was very important against Gabe Findlay, the number seven of Liberty, who went through one defender of JMU and shot it to the bottom right corner. Very precise. It was going bottom right corner. And TJ Bush somehow stretched his body and got his hand on the ball in order to save his net. And because of that, that was a very important play because JMU was losing control of the game and Liberty was attacking many times. And that gave the confidence that JMU needed to regain control of the ball. And also another player that surprised me was Alex Krakowiak, also another freshman. He came in nicely in collegiate football. He controlled the game very nicely, same as Luca Earhart, um, who's a new number 10 of JMU, which is not an easy number to take over after what Manuel Ferriol did. But 
as of right now, he's controlling the midfield nicely and he knows how to touch the ball and how to his off the ball movement was also great. Dennis Mensa also a very good striker up top. Um, very good in build-up play. He knew what to do to cause trouble for the Liberty defenders. There was one goal that he missed. It was an op open net. It was during overtime. Would have been the three points for JMU, but he missed it sadly. But he played very nicely other than that miss. And also another player that impressed me was, I believe his name was Alex Allender. He also had a very good game, another freshman but it seemed like he's been playing the game for a very long time. And Rodrigo Robles, we can also talk about a new player that came in from West Virginia. But he came in nicely. nicely. It seemed as if he'd been, he's been playing with the JMU Dukes for a while. He fit into the philosophy. He also scored one goal, um, but it was right when the referee blew his whistle to end regular time. And it was confusing. It seemed like it should have counted, but according to the officials, it did not. So it was a very overall it was a very good game for the men's team. They just had an unlucky day. They could have scored many goals. And they did, but it was just wrong timing or it was offsides. But they had a nice philosophy and you can tell the philosophy of both the women's and men's team was to touch the ball and move. And they're doing it nicely. It causes a lot of problems for other teams and it will continue to cause problems and hopefully they are a contender for the CAA championship title again and hopefully they make another good run in the NCAA championship tournament. So thank you on hearing my thoughts. I am Charles Vera. JMU Volleyball continues a short stretch of away games this weekend with back-to-back -back matches against UNCW on Friday and Saturday. The Dukes split their previous series with Delaware, going down 1-3 in the first match, but came back to sweep the Blue Hens 3-0 in the second. On the other side, the Seahawks have yet to collect their first win, losing their first two games of the season to the Clemson Tigers last weekend after a series of cancellations and postponements due to inclement weather. JMU won both of its matches against UNCW last season, three sets to nothing, and is currently dominating the all-time record with 46 wins and just 18 losses. James Madison hopes to rely on continued strong performances from junior libero Savannah Marshall, who is currently ranked second in the CAA in digs with an average of 4.71 per set, and sophomore setter Caroline Dozier, who has tallied 47 assists in just two matches to help put them on top this weekend. However, UNCW star Brim Montgomery, a senior setter who leads a team in both service aces and assists, could cause trouble for the Dukes. Due to the special circumstances surrounding the season, the CAA was split into northern and southern divisions. Therefore, this will be JMU's first official conference game. For the Duke Sports Center, I'm London Solomon. My thanks to London Solomon, Charles Vera, Shelby Walker, Gabby Leggett, Tucker Stunts, and Noah Ziegler for their contributions to today's JMU Sports Update podcast. I'm Kurt Dudley. Have a great Purple and Gold week, and go Dukes!